All right, hello everyone and welcome to the Ventures Podcast. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Audrey Badke, uh, the co-founder of REST, Real Escape from the Sex Trade. And I've had the honor and privilege of being on the board of this organization since its inception in 2009. And the topic is heavy and, and hard. Uh, we actually talk about it from the perspective of, uh, of, of a market where there's buyers and sellers. And in this type of market where there's so much demand, unfortunately, the people are being bought and sold and there are brokers in the middle that uh, participate in this uh, horrific venture. And so we talk a lot about how REST uh, helps these individuals provide safety, they provide hope, they provide all these, these pathways so that freedom, safety, and hope can be an, an actual reality for people that are just, they're so dehumanized through this process um, that the process of rehumanizing them and giving them that freedom, safety, and hope with this team is just absolutely incredible. So I am just delighted to be able to share this episode with you, uh, and especially as you consider your year-end donations. So if you're watching this episode, you can also listen anywhere you get your podcast. You can just search for Ventures and it should show up. And if you're watching and if you're listening to this episode, you can also watch by visiting the link in the show notes or visiting wclittle.com. And uh, there I'll have some more extensive show notes and different links to, to the topics that we talk about today. So with that, please enjoy this very important episode with Audrey Badke. All right, Audrey, welcome to the show. Hi, Will. It's good to be here today. I am so impressed by the team at REST and the work that you all have been doing for uh, over a decade now. Um, such an honor to be a part of the board. Uh, these are stories that I can't unhear. Uh, I'd love to just learn a little bit more about uh, you and how, how REST got started, your original involvement with it, and kind of what, what you're up to now with REST. Absolutely. So it's worth starting by saying that uh, REST is a nonprofit organization, and we exist to expand pathways to freedom, safety, and hope in order to end sex trafficking. And a lot of people think sex trafficking happens in other countries, and yet what we know is that it happens right here. In fact, I always encourage folks, um, if you want to know what it looks like in your area, look up your city's name and escort, and you will see websites that come up that list human beings being sold for sex in the way that you would advertise used cars. Mm. And I got involved with REST because I was working with homeless youth and always had a number of youth that had pimps or traffickers that controlled their every move. And our agencies working with homeless youth couldn't meet their needs because it was too complex, too misunderstood, um, and too much work. And REST started. Um, as a small group of individuals who saw how challenging it was to work with individuals who went through such extreme violence, such extreme trauma, and yet deserved to be loved. Mm -hmm. And so we started by just engaging with survivors, asking what they needed, what they wanted, and then sought out to build those services. And I don't think any of us thought almost 15 years later, we would have this continuum of care 
Um, by caseload, we work with the most number of survivors every year um, compared to organizations nationwide. Um, and every year we get to see and celebrate the hard work that survivors do to be able to exit um, the trauma and the trafficking that they've experienced and be able to enter recovery and hope instead. Yeah, the, the problem is horrific. You're right. Most people, when they think about human trafficking, sex trafficking, they think about different, you know, two or three different countries around the world. But to hear and to see this happening in our own backyards and cities across America and different parts of the West is um, extremely heartbreaking. From your perspective, the 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 problem, um, where do you see it and how do, how does it happen in our in our own backyards? Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to recognize that nobody wants to highlight their involvement in sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. The traffickers don't, the people being exploited don't, the people that are buying sex don't want to raise their hand and say, count me in your statistics. And so instead, we have to look at different sources to get an estimate of how prevalent this is. Mm -hmm. And um, And even when we look at those numbers, it's still hard to know exactly what this looks like, how big it is, where it is, because so much of it is trying to be hidden. Um, I think about a number of our clients that will go to high school, come home, check in with their parents, do their homework, and then sneak out the window in order to meet with a pimp who is threatened to beat them up if they don't take four dates that night. Um, I think about adults who are trying to pay their rent, who are um, working maybe in a restaurant, um, doing some service work, but not making enough to meet their bills. And so they meet with a couple customers on the side in order to be able to make ends meet. Um, my kids joke that everywhere we go, we run into people involved in the sex trade because I know what to look for and people tend to feel safe approaching me. And mm -hmm. so I find that when I go to church, I meet survivors. When I go to the grocery store, I meet survivors. Um, mm -hmm. There's a rest client who is a parent at my kid's school. Mm -hmm. And so it is all around us, um, but really it's trying to stay underground. Mm -hmm. And so what we know is that in each city, there tend to be places where people can physically go to, to be able to meet up with someone who is a prostitute or um, maybe an escort or a sex worker, depending on the language that's used. But we know 90% of the people involved in the sex trade have had a trafficker or a pimp. Mm. So anyone that's going to those places is engaging with someone who is either actively being trafficked or has been. Mm. Uh, we also know that um, in every city, there are websites that are advertising sexual services. Um, in uh, the local Seattle area, there's more than 100 websites that are advertising sexual services. Um, we know there are massage parlors. Um, we know that there are brothels. Um, and we know that there's a lot of um, rings or groups of people that are um, sharing, I don't know the nice way to say this, products, which are human beings, amongst their colleagues and peers um, as a way of being able to make recommendations to one another. And so it's one of these issues that um, when you don't know what to look for, you don't see it anywhere. Mm. But when you know what to look for, you can see that it's everywhere because humans are everywhere. And unfortunately, because of that exploitation is around us. Mm. Mm. So this is the Ventures podcast, right? There, there are um, people listening to this, watching this that probably think, hey, uh, sex trafficking, 
uh, sexual services as a market. Uh, hey, it's consenting adults. It should just all be legal. What's the big deal? Like, what's where's the big harm of that? Like, can you can you share with us why that's kind of a, a, a naive approach to this, or how how would how would you respond to that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I will say many of our clients are consenting adults that exchange sex, and. And we recognize that for many of them, this is their livelihood and they're able to make a livable wage here in a way that they can't anywhere else. But the problem is that they also experience being raped and being robbed at a much higher rate than any other job that they could work. And the problem is that when it comes to sexual services, it's like any services where customers want to get the most um, service they can out of the least amount of money spent. And unfortunately, when we're talking about sexual services, then that means pushing somebody past their boundaries or not paying them what's been negotiated. Mm. And for a lot of folks, they will um, also use this as an outlet, not only to meet their sexual needs, but also to meet their needs for power and control. And so there can be this abuse that happens on the daily basis for the folks who are involved, even when they're consenting. The other issue with it is that there are not enough consult consenting adults that raise their hand to say, I want to do this for work, that there have to be people that come in that recruit the workforce to be able to meet the demand. And so because of that, there is this market for traffickers to come in and prey on vulnerable individuals, people who have been sexually abused as children, um, people who um, are unable to meet their daily needs um, or basic needs. And because of that, um, traffickers and pimps will come in and find the individuals and then use coercive mechanisms to keep them involved in trading sex. So for folks that are entering this saying, you know what, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's a service just like any service. You have to understand that there's a bigger picture that's making this service available to the masses that are demanding it. Yeah, I really appreciate that multifaceted answer. Yeah, it's yeah. As the Ventures podcast, we typically talk talk about tech startups and the early stage startup land, and really, and even market analysis, right? Or or just understanding a market, and really in any market where there's buyers and sellers, especially in in certain market dynamics, you're always going to have brokers. Those brokers, right, termed pimps in 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 the way we talk about it, um, in our culture, uh, the demand side of this market is way higher. I mean, it's so high, uh, and for so many obvious obvious and maybe not so obvious reasons. And you pointed to some of those before. Um, and yeah, when you have a, a marketplace with a, a huge demand. Then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have brokers that are gonna use every possible technique and every possible tactic and strategy to to increase that supply. Yeah, so, thinking of you business folks. Yeah, it, there are a lot of the principles that apply here. So when you think about um, selling a product, people like the new product. So because of that, traffickers will move people from city to city so mm -hmm. that their product can be the new product. Um, also with a product, if you can use it multiple times to get that use out of it, all the better. So if I'm a trafficker, I would rather make my girl trade sex 10 times in a day than one time in a day, because that's going to bring me more profit. Mm. So a lot of these business tactics are used. And when we think about it with a product that you can hold in your hand, 
um, that doesn't talk back to you, it's not a big deal. But when you're looking at a human being, you're causing trauma yeah. to the product that you are selling because that product is a human who has feelings and is affected by even just the transactions of recognizing that I'm worth $100 an hour. Oh, I'm worth $500 an hour when really a human being should be priceless and no amount should be paid for them. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so horrific. I mean, people talk about slavery and they think it's something from the past, but this, this modern form of slavery is, it's so, it's so much worse than people realize. So how, how, how is rest helping? Rest has been going for what, 12, 13, 14 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, 2009 was when we started. So about 14 years, 14 years, and really what we are wanting to do is provide spaces where people who have been exploited are able to breathe. Mm -hmm. So when you're involved in the sex trade, you often have a quota that you have to meet. Um, you often have adrenaline running through your body 24 seven. You're always on hyper alert of where danger could come. And we want to provide spaces where people can close a door breathe and consider what do I actually want? Because when you're in the midst of survival, you often want to just keep going. But when you actually have a place where you can stay, where you don't have to hustle to pay for it, when you have food that's readily available and you've got people that will talk with you and encourage you, not tell you what to do, but let you decide what you want to do, then you can start to think about, is that the life that I actually want to live? Do I actually want to be with this man who says he loves me, but beats me every day? And we want to provide those spaces where folks are able to decide for themselves where they want to go and how they want to live. And that is often the beginning of recovery. Mm -hmm. So we do that through a continuum of care. It includes outreach. It includes advocates. Um, we have emergency, transitional, and permanent housing. Um, we have mental health and substance use support. Um, and we have employment services. So we are really intending to meet the needs of the individual so that they can determine what path to take and then start to forge their way there. Mm. Mm. So for those considering their their year year end donations, um, what can you speak to in terms of budget? what what level of money is needed to kind of really help move the needle here? Like talk practically to people you know with money that are listening to this. what 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 would be helpful? Yeah. I think it's helpful to know that it is expensive working with people who have been through extreme amounts of trauma. Yeah. So I would love to say your $1 could pay for this great thing. Mm. Um, but the truth is that it does take about $20,000 per person um, per year to be able to make great strides. Mm. Because a lot of times when people are coming to rest, they're coming with only the clothes on their back and they're coming with years of trauma and abuse. Mm. And so we typically want to, first of all, find out, does this person have housing? And if they don't, let's get them into housing. Um, do they need a way to be able to care for their kids? Let's help them be able to care for their kids. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to get to work on time. And it's even harder to do that when you've got kids and you're going by public transportation and you got to get from one city to the next, to the next, to the next. So with each person, we want to really individualize what their needs are and be able to help them to be able to 
get to the place where they're going. So that again, typically means housing. It typically means all the logistics that are needed to be able to get a job, um, to be able to build that self-efficacy so that they don't need to rely on rest forever, but it takes really a foundation before someone can go from the clothes on their back to being able to sustain each day that they're living. So for those that have the monies, I'm like $20,000, changes a person's life entirely. <laughs> mm. And how many years, like, is that one, two, three years? Like how many years is it statistically or from what you've seen, does that take to really, uh, that they're, that they're within the purview of rest services? Yeah, it really does vary. So we have some folks that are able to move into our emergency shelter, be there for three months, move into our transitional housing, be there for six months, and then move into permanent housing and be golden on their own. Um, we've got other folks that um, are in and out and trying to engage in the services and then relapse and then come back again. Um, we have other folks that they make huge strides and then they have a family member that gets murdered or they have a pimp that finds them again or they have something traffic or something from their trafficking days that derails them and makes them start over um, at day one. So it's hard to say how long it can take. Um, what we know is that we want to meet people where they're at, we want to provide this unconditional care, and we want to be able to empower them to do the hard work that it takes to get to that place where they aren't reliant on services. Mm. Um, so we're always focusing on that. And sometimes it can be a short intervention. And sometimes it is honestly years on end. <laughs> mm. Mm. So in terms of impact, then the last 14 years, what does that look like? How many people have you served? If you know the numbers off the top of your head, like what, what, what does that kind of impact look like both in terms of numbers and just what you've experienced maybe anecdotally? Yeah, we've worked with more than 4,400 individuals mm. since we started. We work with more than 600 every year and mm. we have about 300 that enroll in our services. Mm. Um, so we are able to make a decent impact um, wow. on the trajectory that's happening here. Um, just to give an idea of what the stories are like, one of the women that came to us um, had been trafficked when she was a teenager. Um, she was able to get away from her trafficker and she moved in with her dad. Um, but while she was living with her dad, um, he invited some friends over who re-exploited her. And she was so upset with them that she decided that she was going to burn one of these documents that was important to him. And in doing so, actually burned down the entire house. Mm. And afterwards, she was absolutely devastated because that was the place where she was living. She didn't mean to cause that much damage. And now she was homeless and had lost all the support that she had. And she came to our emergency shelter with this immense amount of shame, um, an immense amount of anger. Mm. And she had nothing to really even begin to build her life from. And as she engaged with the other survivors there and engaged with our staff, she started to really embrace this message that rest has, which is you deserve to be loved. Mm. And it's this message that we believe for everyone, um, no matter what they've done, no matter what's been done to you, you deserve to be loved. Mm. And as she embraced that message, she started to rebuild. But to give a picture of how hard this is, when you have no documentation, mm. you can't get it housing, you can't get a job. And when you've burned down all of your documents, you have to find a way to be able to get those. And so just one little small story about her life. Um, 
she couldn't get an ID because she didn't have the documents to get them. And to get a birth certificate, you had to have a picture ID. And to get a picture ID, you had to have a birth certificate. And as she was looking through, through her Facebook one day, she found a video of a friend holding an ID. And we were able to work with REST staff to pause it in the exact place where the friend was holding the ID up. And then we were able to find someone who was willing to notarize that that was her ID. And then we were able to advocate for her um, at the um, Department of Health to get the birth certificate and then advocate for her at the Department of Licensing to get her ID. Wow. And then from there, she not only saw these people that were fighting for her and standing up for her, but she started to join in so that by the time she had the ID, she felt like she actually deserved it. Mm which again then gave this practical application of deserving to be loved. And then that started the trajectory for her to be able to get housing, get a job, and be able to move away from exploitation. And each of our clients have stories like this. Mm. Uh, there is such an immense amount of harm that is done and shame that is felt that has to be overcome just to then get your ID, get your housing, get your job, get your life together. That's amazing. Yeah, this that's an incredible story. Um, so encouraged by the work that you all do. Yeah, I mean, as a board member, hearing the stories, board meeting, you know, annual board meeting after annual board meeting and throughout the year, um, I mean, often those, I mean, it's just very emotional meetings, understandably, and uh, the tangible impact on people's lives that you all are, 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 um, making a reality for, for their, for their life change is so, is so powerful. So is this, are, is rest planning to expand beyond the greater Seattle area? What, tell, tell me about what that, what that, what that looks like. Yep. It's time. So we started in the anti-trafficking movement towards the beginning. And at the time, nobody really knew what they were doing and providing services. At REST, we were able to pull on our knowledge of working with homeless youth or working with people who have experienced sexual assault. And in the past 15 years, we've learned a lot about how to do this work. And we have a number of organizations that are seeking us out to train them. And so um, this year we were invited to speak on the main stage at one of the biggest national anti-trafficking conferences. Um, we've already been invited to speak at another conference and we've been doing this for quite a while, but we're going to dive in more depth so that we can provide tools to other agencies who are starting this work mm. because the good intentions are there. Um, great people are doing this, but it's hard to start from nothing just like for our clients. And so we're going to be sharing the wisdom that we've learned. We're going to be sharing the best practices and we're going to be providing the space for um, people nationwide to be able to talk with one another, to be able to build upon the work together. Amazing, amazing. Okay, so if somebody wants to give that $20,000 or more <laughs> or even maybe mm -hmm. a little less, <laughs> where would they go to, to do that? And if they wanted to follow up with you, how would they get a hold of you or people on the team? Uh, our website is iwantrest.com. I don't know about you, Will, but I want rest personally. And mm. I know for a lot of our clients, they do too. So mm. that's where you'll find us. I want rest.com. You'll find a button that you can easily click. Give us all your numbers. We will happily take your monies. Um, and most importantly, be able to use those to get survivors the services needed to be able to experience freedom, safety, and hope. 
Um, if people want to get a hold of me, you're welcome to email me. I am Audrey, A-U-D-R-E-Y, at Iwantrest.com. And um, I also would be happy to connect folks to other people at rest. Um, so if there are specific questions that folks have or specific ways they want to get involved, I'm happy to be the one to make introductions. Amazing. Audrey, thanks to you and the team for all the amazing work that you're doing. Thanks for being on this podcast. Thank you, Will. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I wanted to just let you know before you go that if you're interested in following along with any of the content I write, go to wclittle.com. There I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to and just subscribe to any topic that I, that I write about, whether it's Web3 or health science or software development or any of the miscellaneous new buzzwords like generative AI and other things that come up. Uh, and you can also publish that new platform is called Satchel. Uh, we're letting in more folks into the beta. It think kind of like a Substack, Medium, Mirror, WordPress, but it has some new features that are coming that I think you're, you're gonna be really interested in. Also, if you're building a startup, uh, I have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. Startuprocket.com gives you coaching frameworks and different guides so that you have an understanding about how to build a startup in a scalable way and you can bring in your, your team and your mentors and advisors and potential uh, investors. So we've built that platform and use it internally at my venture capital group, Proto Ventures, and I would highly recommend it for you. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week.